I like to ground that report in the word. So we'll read over here in the pastoral epistles there in 2 Timothy. This was the 2 Timothy is the most personal of the pastoral letters. And we'll read a few verses here out of chapter 3. We'll read some out of chapter 4. And we'll make some remarks. Chapter 3, verse 1 and following. Paul is writing here with full apostolic authority. He's writing to his young child in the faith, Timothy. And he's offering encouragement to Timothy to stay in Ephesus, to stay and stand firm and stand up. And these people that wanted to derail the preaching and teaching of the word of God for endless speculation and genealogy and Jewish legalism and on and on. You know, Paul's saying, Timothy, you need to preach the word. So here in chapter 3, he says, but realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. It's one thing to gossip, it's another thing, be a malicious gossiper. He says, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins laid on by, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. So the reading here, it really sounds like those difficult times had come to the church there in Ephesus. Paul gives some characteristics there of the people there, and he says they hold to a form of godliness, but they've denied its power. Then what does he say? He says, avoid such men as these. 
So it's important for Timothy to uh, receive this word and put it into practice. And then down here in chapter 4, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, the, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, there it is, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you... Be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. There is a good fight. He says, uh, I have finished the course, I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So, these are just really sample readings from the pastorals. We take the whole... All three letters, seriously, as far as ministry concern is concerned, and we, we strive to preach the word and teach the word here as the ministry of Jesus at Auburn Baptist Church. And it's a, it's a, it's a privilege and at the same time a great responsibility to do so. And we take that seriously and... Uh, there's no, uh, let's see, no let up uh, for us. We just continue to do that, and we would appreciate, I would appreciate your prayers in that because we preach in context of where we live. And we'll trust the Lord to direct, and we'll keep preaching the word and keep trusting the Lord to, to work. And we're, we continue to be amazed at, um, at the Lord's faithfulness. Not that his faithfulness is surprising to us, it's just it knows no bounds uh, in our lives and in the lives of our church family. We're always uh, thrilled to welcome new members, Don and Becky Dietz. About a year ago, we Linda and I had the pleasure of sitting down with them back here and just we just talking and getting to know one another. And that's one of the one of the uh, really special times uh, for for us is to get to know new folks and just sit down and and uh, talk and hear the witness of Jesus uh, and how he's led. So. As a congregational church, you should know that that's 
that's part of becoming part of God's family here at Auburn Baptist is folks getting to know you, your pastor getting to know you. And uh, we, we take that seriously. Um, so, uh, as we'll reiterate, uh, high on the list of what we do is we want to encourage biblical theology. How do we do that? By preaching verse by verse from the scriptures. And just so you know, we go to a text and the main point of the text should be the main point of the sermon. It's that, it is that simple and that difficult. The main point, that's the main point, whatever, whatever that main point is, should be the main point in the sermon. And then we want to encourage personal piety. Personal piety. That means we're growing in sanctification. We're learning of our Lord Jesus. And we're growing in Christ-likeness. We want to encourage that. Well, how do we encourage that? Well, reading the Word of God. Prayer. Fellowship with one another. um, Those things. Um, And then, um, I think lastly, uh, personal evangelism. I think some of the uh, younger have upgraded evangelism to cultural apologetics. I kind of like evangelism. I know what that is. Cultural apologetics, same thing. Um, Speaking God's truth in the midst of a world that... uh, in a lot of instances, runs from God's truth. And, and uh, so evangelism, it's an important part of the church. We have evangelism opportunities as a church throughout the year. We have Vacation Bible School, which is an evangelism opportunity. We have the fair, which is a huge opportunity for evangelism uh, as a church and then the trunk or treat that's upcoming on the 28th is an opportunity right here in our parking lot to evangelize so we value those times and then there's the as you go ministry we all go, we have our walks of life, we have those family members, those co-workers, those neighbors, those schoolmates, what have you, that, and strangers as well, that we, uh, we want to share Jesus with them. So that's, that's what the church is about, and we... Uh, take those opportunities seriously and want to see fruit from those those times and those interactions that we have with folks who don't know Jesus. So, hmm, what else tonight? thinking there were oh I know what it was there were I I was thinking earlier just so you know that everything is not always just coming up roses 
there are like four hymns that I wish were in our hymn book. Have you ever been there? Just heard, you, There's just a song that just, it's a good song, and you look in the hymn book, and it's just, where'd it go? Why, why, don't, why don't we take O Canada out and put these in? I don't understand. And there's some others. But anyway, one of them, I was going to rattle them off if I could think of. Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. It's a beautiful song, great hymn. Um, uh, wish it was in our hymn book. His Robes for Mine. Great song. Anybody heard these? Okay. Well, I'm not going to sing them. You just have to look them up and, and listen. But they're... And then uh, one of my favorite, and it is a hymn, and it is powerful. It's called, He Will Hold Me Fast. Just, just put that on your phone and have uh, just a great time of worship with the Lord. Uh, what else? Oh, how many of you have heard the song, His Mercy is More? My sins. They are many. His mercy is more. And you put that to music and you raise the roof off this place. So anyway, just uh, four, I don't know, four or five hymns that I just go, boy, those would be good ones to learn. Maybe one day we'll figure that out, how to get that done. So um, one other passage of scripture uh, from Acts to these are these are familiar. I, I don't know. Perhaps we we talk about these every time. There's a quote unquote pastor's report. But Acts two and verse. Let's see. There it is. Forty six and forty seven. This is the aftermath of the day of Pentecost when God poured his spirit out upon the church. And this is what all of that resulted in. All of that good preaching by the apostle Peter, that good witness for the Lord, that magnifying of Jesus, the receiving of Christ, what, did, what were the results? What were the ongoing results? And Luke gives us this wonderful summary statement as he is so good about doing. He gives us these periodic uh, summary statements through his uh, wonderful uh, second account of what Jesus continues to do. He says, verse 46 of chapter 2, day by day. Continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They're praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we continue to pray uh, that we would... Uh, that we would walk and move and go forward resonating with the spirit of the early church. 
having a great love for God and Jesus and wonderful fellowship with one another and constantly being nourished on the word and praising God for, for all that he does. He's a great and a good God. All right. Um, so we're in Acts uh, officially uh, for our study, and we just have a little time left, but we can, we'll read along a little bit here in Acts 9, picking it up right in the middle of verse 19, Acts 9, 19 and following. couple things. We have a fifth Sunday this month, so we'll be having a meal on the 29th of this month. And then I mistakenly thought that there was only one five Sunday month per quarter. Wrong. December has five Sundays. So we'll forego the meal in December We'll just celebrate together in October, and we'll just do it that way. And then uh, Christmas Eve this year is on the Lord's Day. It's on Sunday. So we'll, we'll have regular morning service and then a Christmas Eve service there at sometime that evening, 5 o'clock, 5.30. We'll figure something out there. All right, Acts 9. Right in the middle there, verse 19, and we'll read through 31. Now for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Now this is Saul's conversion to Christ. He was stopped in his tracks. He's blinded by this flash of light around him, and he hears the voice of Jesus. And he discerns what that voice was saying. You know, he's with an entourage. He has people with him. We think that they saw something and we think they heard something. But as far as whether they were able to distinguish what they heard, we don't think, we don't think they got it. We just know they knew something happened as well. Saul knew what he saw and knew what he heard. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. You talk about a turnaround. That's a turnaround. He wasn't going to the synagogue to find Christians. He was going there to preach Jesus. He is the son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed. And we're saying is... Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. I mean, he goes 
from being a persecutor of Christians, and now he is a wanted man by the Jews. They want to put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. He needed some fellowship. I like this. He has a desire for fellowship. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. They had just heard of his former life, and knowing what they knew, they would scatter when they heard he was in the vicinity. So they are afraid of him. And I love this next verse. It's not the first time we've heard uh, from this man. Verse 27. But Barnabas. But Barnabas took hold of him. And brought him to the apostles. And described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. And that he had talked to him. And how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and set him sent him away to Tarsus. Beautiful verse, 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. Being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. A couple things before we dismiss. I want you to think about this Barnabas. Barnabas. You know, we, we met him a little while ago as he was bringing uh, proceeds from the sale of land Barnabas is just, we pick him up through the book of Acts and he just stands out as someone who was not only an advocate for the Lord Jesus, but a tremendous asset to the church, this Barnabas. Especially here, he is, you know, there. The disciples of Jesus and Saul, who is now known as Paul, they separate like oil and water. Who is, you know, we've heard of this man. We know what he does. We want to keep our distance. But Barnabas is the one, there it is, took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him. And how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. 
So we see Barnabas bringing people together, bringing Christians together with one who had been an enemy of Christ, but now was a friend of the Lord and would be used by the Lord to minister to many Jews, Gentiles, kings, and so on. And Barnabas, right there, don't underestimate this, this man. Don't underestimate anyone who's able to bring Christian people together. And this is what we see Barnabas doing. He is an encourager. Uh, every, every church needs not one Barnabas, but a multitude of Barnabases, encouragers, bringing people together. Uh, in fellowship and for the purpose of ministry. And that's what we see here with uh, this Barnabas. And we'll, we'll see him again. Um, verse 28, he was with him, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Think about it. Think about the climate in Jerusalem when you've got Saul breathing out these threats uh, over there in eight, chapter 8, verse 3. But Saul began ravaging the church. I mean, he is a man on a mission there. And it certainly wasn't the mission of the Lord. And now, what's going on? He was with him and he's moving about freely in Jerusalem. And he's speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews. Now, that's a big deal because that's what got Stephen in trouble. Those Hellenistic Jews. And what's, what is Paul doing? He's talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews. What was Paul? He was a Hellenistic Jew. I mean, he knew them like the back of his hand. But they were attempting to put him to death. And now we see the church rallying around this one who, was a, who had been a persecutor of the church. But when the brethren, that's his believing brothers and sisters, learned of it, what did they do? They brought him down to Caesarea and they sent him away to Tarsus. So the church throughout, and this is a, this is a large area, all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. Listen, church, enjoy the peace. Enjoy the peace that we have. Enjoy the freedom that we have. Enjoy nights like this as we're free to testify of Christ. And they were what? Built up. And they're going on in the fear of the Lord. And you know, that's what we should do. We should be built up and we should go on in the fear of the Lord. And that's not a, a fear that we cower away from God. It is a, a reverential awe of God. We began the night with Nahum chapter 1. What was the subtitle? God is awesome or awesome God. He is awesome. And in the comfort, there it is, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it, the church, continued to increase. So it's, it's simple church, simple faith, God involved, God leading the way, and God producing fruit in the lives of his people.
I want to encourage you with that tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time together. Lord, we don't take this for granted at all. Nope. We give you praise and glory and honor that we enjoy peace tonight, that we enjoy the opportunity to be built up in you in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We continue to pray for fruit. We continue to pray, Lord, that, that Jesus and only Jesus would be magnified in this place. We pray that you would grow us in prayer, that you would grow us, Lord, in our fellowship one with another, that you would grow us even in our praises to you, oh God. We thank you for the praises tonight, Lord. We thank you for what we've heard, and we thank you for the requests, the concerns that we've brought tonight, the burden on our heart, that situation, that person, that need over there. That trouble, Lord, we lift these to you. And we, we ask for your intervention, Lord, and that in so doing, you would save the lost and that you would sanctify the saved. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said.